Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, right here on the home of common sense. It is, of course, Talk Radio. And it is, ladies and gentlemen, the morning after the night before. That old familiar feeling of not quite making it, not quite hitting the high notes, of missed opportunities and missed penalties. For millions of England fans last night, it was a devastating end to a fantastic campaign of fun football and fitness and unfortunately for a few thousand idiots it was an excuse to unleash an avalanche of violence of drug taking and alcohol fueled madness some of the scenes witnessed in London yesterday were totally shameful Leicester Square turned into a war zone bottles were thrown fights broke out drugs were being consumed openly there were people running around naked you know sticking flares in places where flares should not be stuck at Wembley it was a security shambles a nightmare hundreds if not thousands of thugs fought their way into the country's national stadium and couldn't be stopped. Families with children looked on in horror as grown men set upon Italian fans inside and outside the ground. What on earth is wrong with these people? As if that wasn't bad enough, the three young black players who missed their penalties last night, Rashford, Sancho and Saka, awoke this morning to a torrent of racial abuse. It's all so terribly familiar, isn't it? And Boris Johnson thinks England should get the World Cup. Well, I don't, and I suspect FIFA won't either. We'll kick off this morning with Sol Campbell with his take on the game and all the nonsense around it because Sol uh, has played football for England. He's been all over the place playing football uh, for club and country. And unfortunately, there are still the same proportion of England fans and football fans in this country who seem to think it's a great idea to smash places up, get into fights, take loads of drugs, get drunk, get arrested... I'm sorry, it has to end. Somebody has to do something about it. 0344 499 1000. We're also joined by Andrew Bridgen and Matt Ridley. I'll be asking both those Tory MPs what exactly we're going to do about the ghastly, crass and frankly disgusting underbelly of English football and the fans that ruin everything every single time. London witnessed what every other European country has been through whenever England fans have shown up. They've done it in Rome. They've done it in Azerbaijan. They've done it uh, in uh, Hungary. They've done it, of course, in Spain. They did it in Marseille. Uh, you might remember that as well. 0344 499 1000. Peter Hitchens joins us as well. He'll be telling us what he makes of promises from the government that we're getting our freedom back. We'll be looking up into space with Greg Sky Rumsby as well. Uh, but also, we want to hear from you, of course, because you can say to me how proud you are of England's performances throughout the uh, um, the Euros. You can say to me that you're ashamed of the fans or uh, a combination of all three things. 0344 499 1000. John Barnes uh, was on with James Max this morning uh, talking about how racism is not a problem for football. It's a problem for society. I think it's more about the class system. I think it's more about people who seemingly want to be violent given the choice. 
of not being violent. I don't understand why. 03444991000. Listen to me, Mike Graham, on the fastest growing radio station on the planet. Now, of course, available on your TV as well. It's the home of common sense. It's Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, the scenes at Wembley last night were very familiar, weren't they? It was a lot of tension. England got an early goal, but then they couldn't seem to hold on to the lead. They tried to defend. That didn't work out terribly well. The Italians did what the Italians always do, uh, which was basically to muscle their way and sort of... uh, physically win the game it was a bit of a boys v men tournament by the end of it and of course the penalty shootout oh my goodness me how many times have we all sat through that let's talk to Sol Campbell who was there uh, for TalkSport former England player of course uh, club and country superstar Sol a very good morning to you morning Mike thanks very much indeed I listened to you last night I, I could hear the the sort of the pain in your voice of of how this is a game of inches. It reminded me, I'm sure you've seen it, of that great Al Pacino speech in any given Sunday where he's like, you know, it's all about, it is all about inches and, and the game yeah, was all about for, inches. You're fighting for every inch and uh, yesterday or last night um, was a, a big, um, you know, was when you look at the game, it came down to inches. You know, they were, even at the last, um, last knock-ins, John Stone's, if it's a slightly higher, if he's just a little bit more jump, he just brushes his uh, his hair. He touches that. Domaruma, no chance. It's, it's flicks into the goal, and you know we, it's a different story. And um, we just have to remember the lads have just done unbelievable They're, to get this far with uh, with a young team and uh, under all sorts of pressures. And some of the players coming back from injury, getting into the team, taking the nation on, and and uh, bringing us through this and a celebration as, you know, we just fell short. Mm. The Italians came in and, you know, early goal, but they started to kind of work their, you know, work uh, work the positions, hold the midfield, and it was an onslaught. We had few kind of occasions, but, you know, they just controlled the game from, from, from once we scored, and all of a sudden, yeah. Well, do you know, I heard a statistic last night, uh, which was quite shocking, that England never got another shot on goal. Uh, after the goal that was scored in the rest of the game, which is pretty much tells you the story, doesn't it? It does. I, I think for us, <clears throat> we, we, you know, they, they had a uh, Jorginho, who obviously plays at uh, Chelsea. He had a marvelous game, and then Verata, PSG, and Barella, and there's three of the, you know really clever guys in, in midfield who have the ball, and if you give them space, I think we probably needed another body in there. You know, yes, we wanted to protect protect the kind of back five, but I think sometimes when you've got a back five, you should work it out how to, I don't need you guys here. We're getting, you know, we're getting done in the midfield, push up and go into the midfield. Yeah. Our five can take take on these three players. Absolutely. That's what should have happened, really. Yeah, but it was a bit of a boys v men situation, wasn't it, in the end? Because a lot of those guys who played for England so well during the rest of the tournament, I think they became slightly um, outmaneuvered, if you like, by some of the, the things that the Italians are so good at doing. I mean, you've played against plenty of Italian teams in your time. Mm. You'll know that, you know, when Chiellini pulled back Saka that time and just did literally mm. grab his shirt, I thought, oh, here we go. You know, they're not going to let us, they're not going to let England pass. They're not going to let England win. Um, they're going to do everything that they can do to stop it. Yeah, and that's not, you know, they're past masters at it. And, um, you know, I feel... You know, we, we've got that as well. I used, to be, <laughs> I used to be like that. But they just had a, a lot of players and they fall for every inch and, and they were lively in the box. Like Puccini, you know, 
scoring a Ruccini scoring a fantastic goal to equalise. They, they just kept and kept going, mm. and uh, they were live in the box. They, it was it was relentless. It wasn't sporadic. It was relentless, and uh, in the end, you know, it was just. We, we did well just to hang on, really. We had yeah. a couple of chances here and there, but they really controlled the game. Once they went one nil down, uh, they controlled the game. Yeah. And do you think the fans and the and the media, possibly, and the pundits even, were getting a bit over-carried uh, away, a bit over-enthusiastic before the game? Because in Italy are, after all, uh, the best team in the world right now. And yeah, you know, think... it was. I was watching. You know, the, some of the setup for the uh, for, for the TV uh, coverage, and it was literally a done deal that England were going to win. No, I think you have to be confident. You know, you're at home. Uh, I think if Italy was at home, they'd be confident to, to win. It's not all, it doesn't always work out like that. Um, you, you see the results, what's happened. You know, we've done really well. We It's natural that you show a bit more confidence. And uh, it's a natural human thing. Yes, you've got to be cautious. You, yes, you've got to understand the opposition. The Azuria are uh, a uh, fantastic side. It hasn't lost for, you know, 33 games and obviously now 34. Um, then you, you've got to take that in. You've got to say, hey, you, you've got to respect that. But then you've got to say what what we've got, what we can bring to the table. And we had a good tournament, and um, we just fell short on a on a couple of things. I I, I felt we we just got outmaneuvered in midfield. We they controlled the midfield, and and once you once you control the midfield, like in chess, once you control the middle of the board, then you start kind of you know you, you know the outcome. Absolutely right. And what a shame um, that we have to talk about this. Um, and we'll get to the racism later. But what about these idiotic fans? You know, get drunk, uh, take drugs, break into the stadium. I'm told that uh, it happened during the Denmark game as well. Uh, but nobody really found out about it. And UEFA uh, and FIFA together didn't really sort of have a clue about how to handle it. Didn't want the matches to be postponed by COVID. But looking at the scenes in like Leicester Square, it's a bit similar to what the England fans did in Marseille in 2016 and you just think I don't know what's wrong with these people I think for me the vast majority of fans are great they're fine they're allowed to kind of you know talk you know sing uh, I think once it goes beyond that uh, then it starts you know vandalism you know we, we, drug taking things like that you're not going to stop everyone doing this but what you can do is like you know there's a little bit of decorum because we are, you have to realize the world is watching. Around the world is watching. You know, UEFA, FIFA, they're watching. And if it continues like that, that you know, we're trying to get the World Cup. Yeah. It's going to be very, very difficult when they, when, they, when they look at all the bids and things like that. And we could have a really good bid, but they're going to, they're going to go back. There'll be one or two of them saying, can I just show you this slide? Can I yeah. just show you this video? Can I just show you this report? About having um, a major tournament in England or the U, you know, or yeah. the UK. So um, that will definitely count against us, and they will never ever forget this. They, they were thinking that we are, we have, we've passed this, we've moved on. Mm. You know, we talk about it. There's a lot of people saying a lot of things on the internet and papers, and you know, shows like this, and and everybody wants to move on and, and, and see a brighter day. But when you when you get, you know, dragged back to this type of uh, you know, uh, occurrences, it's difficult for them to say, hey, should we consider, you know, UK for for, for the uh, World Cup? No, it's well, this is it. I mean, because we've all seen it before, Sol. We've seen the chair throwing, you know, the, the, the fans barricading themselves inside pubs, the fans sort of chucking bottles. And, and in fact, they did it, you know, it's clear they're not just doing it when they're abroad. They did it here. 
And apparently Wembley Way was an absolute nightmare. I don't know how, how easy it was for you to get to the game yesterday and get I back. There four, I was there four hours before. So yeah, but I what about leaving? I mean, I'm told people were staying there till about midnight because it wasn't safe to leave. And, and the problem is that it seems to me that I don't know who's responsible for that, whether it's UEFA, whether it's the FA, whether it's Wembley Stadium Security. But clearly there were people at Wembley Way uh, who probably shouldn't have been there. Yeah, it's difficult because, you know, um, there's... Every country has to run the show. Then you got obviously UEFA. Um, it, they're, they're they're kind of caught in a you know in between a rock and a hard place. Really, do do you have the police there in numbers? It's a UEFA it's a UEFA gig, uh, uh, but it's Wembley, the FA. It, it kind of falls into different places. So it, it's almost you need someone to kind of take charge. But the main thing for me is the world is watching, and mm. uh, we're not gonna. The, you know the, the the authorities that you know give out dish out the um, um, the who's who's ever going to get the World Cup or or European tournaments they're going to say well London's off our list or well, UK's off our list yeah well I don't know if they want to behave like that if they go to Qatar because I think they might find themselves being locked up for the rest of their lives yes I think you I think you, but also <laughs> there's no well, it's also there's no drink as well <laughs> yeah well maybe that's the way forward for these guys because it does seem incredibly sort of like an English and I, mean, and I know that, that this shouldn't be the dominant conversation we shouldn't have to talk about it but equally we can't ignore it um, and as many people I've heard talking this morning and last night saying it's not a tiny number of people it's quite a few thousand of them uh, mm. who behave like this and who were behaving like this and it's not good enough to say oh well the, you know maybe the, the kickoff should have been earlier you know maybe we shouldn't have had any alcohol you know it's a problem in society which is kind of what John Barnes was saying except he was saying it about race. I'm saying it about hooligans. I think it's um, it's been with us for a very very long time. It's it is in other countries, but it just seems to kind of rear its head uh, frequently um, in these scenarios with us. Um, what they have to realise is that we had a wonderful tournament. We had a wonderful tournament. The guys played extremely well. They exceeded. Uh, you know, further than anyone was thought thinking. Everyone was saying, "Well, quarterfinals are the same." And getting, we got to the finals and uh, and playing good football as well. Yes, the the kind of tournament opened up for us and the big guns, and we were on the right side of the draw. Uh, that helps. They still had to um, win the games though, and they won them pretty convincingly, didn't they? Yeah, still have to win games. But the main thing is, like you know, we did really, really well. And that's what we should be celebrating. You know, we should not be celebrating. You know, you know racism we should be celebrating the beautiful diversity of this team and how far they got yeah absolutely stay with us soul for a moment we're going to come back to you in a couple of seconds we're just going to pay some bills we'll be right back soul campbell uh, talking to us we're going to find out what it is about these england fans uh, who think that it's fine to get drunk to smash places up to beat people up to take drugs and then to racially abuse the footballers as well into the bargain this is talk radio this is Talk Radio across the UK, online, on DAB+, and on the Talk Radio app. The Independent Republic of Mike Gray on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We're talking to Sol Campbell, uh, who of course was on part of the Talk Sport team's coverage last night of the final at Wembley, uh, which unfortunately didn't work out in the way that so many millions of fans hoped that it would. Let's have a listen to Gareth Southgate. Well, in terms of the players, um, they've given everything they, they could have, um, not only tonight, but through the whole tournament. Um, they should hold their heads high. They've, um, you know, they're, they're a, a team who have pulled together, have given the country some 
incredible evenings. Um, but of course, tonight, the devastation of getting so close and, and not being able to give our country the trophy that we wanted to is, is difficult to, to put into context. Um, you can imagine how the dressing room is. Gareth Southgate there saying that he takes full responsibility for picking the players uh, and the order in which they took the penalties. Uh, I think he made some mistakes there. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Uh, Sol Campbell's with us. Sol, let me ask you about uh, the racism aspect here as well, because obviously you've played at a time when supposedly racism in football was much worse than it is now. And yet we've still got this persistent um, idiocy for, for, for me from people uh, abusing these young kids who were taking the, the, the penalties. And, you know, I don't think anyone in their right mind is going to criticise the players. I think it was a bit unfair to, to put Saka in there, but he volunteered to do it. Um, and I'm sure he'll, he'll get over it. But, but what can we do about this racist abuse, particularly on Twitter? Well, it, Twitter's been, you know, how it's all formulated foundations is, it, you know, free speech. And, um, you know, what's happened along the line is, is it, it's gone to free speech, but in this free speech whatever you say and there's no kind of um you know you're on the keyboard and doing whatever you want saying whatever you want um that that's the trouble really um the building blocks is uh is almost i'm not saying that the horse is bolted but we've got to almost somehow sit down and talk to these uh big huge platform companies and say hey there is a, there must be a way if we can get a man on the moon uh there's a way of mm. and the technology now there's a ways and means of kind of collaborating and when someone starts typing a certain kind of you know these letters and to form words it just instantly as soon as you press send it just instantly kind of evaporates it or whatever mm. i know I know it's difficult. People want free speech and things like that, but there's a limit when it goes into racism. And uh, yes, it's in society. Yes, it's in a lot of you know, from businesses to sport uh, to walking down the street. Um, there is you know, there's a lot of ed education has to be done. But I think the trouble is you're not going to eradicate it all. You just have to kind of, you know, keep plugging away and try to educate people mm. in, in all way, all shape, shapes and forms, in all societies and all platforms and all sporting events and things like that that have a real problem with it. Yeah, I mean, it's been eradicated more or less. I mean, you'll see more football than I do, but it's more or less eradicated now from from the chanting and from, from live events, hasn't it? So is it... Sometimes, only, is it, is no, it, it, it does still raise its head sometimes. Does it still, yeah. does it still do it? Well, what is that all about? Well, we haven't heard crowds for such a long time as well. Well, that's true. Um, that's true. Yeah, so. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the, 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 the days of, of, of the terrible racist chanting that used to happen, um, maybe when, yeah. you, when you were a player, I mean, that seems yeah. to have gone. Um, that's gone. But, but, but now I wonder if social media is the only place where they can sort of make those kinds of statements, you know? Well, vent, vent, vent whatever they want to say, you know? Um, it's an easy thing because you don't, you don't even have to kind of, uh, you know, put your name down. You just put an account and it could be anything. And right. Bob's your uncle. You can start, you know, keyboard warriors and just, you know, send out all this vile stuff. Yeah. I mean, you've said before, Sol, that, that you feel that if you were not... Um, a black football manager, you might have had more opportunities. Do you still believe that's the case today? I think we're good moving forward um, in a lot of things. Uh, we just got to keep going. I think for me, it's all about the opportunities that are out there. I think everybody has to look at this and, 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 and kind of look at talent is, is not held by colour. 
you know, is held by who you are and what you can give. Some people have to look beyond that. Um, there is still the old school there, want, to, want the old school managers and things like that and, uh, you know, don't want to change. I think as time goes on, diversity in the boardroom, diversity in the crowds, I think it all helps to, to kind of um, make up the decisions of, of, of some of the management or the people who are who are picking the new the next managers or the next um, I don't know next physio or yeah. the next doctor or the next uh, you know assistant coach or whatever. So is there any point to all of these sort of kick it out campaigns? I mean, we had a, a weekend off Twitter, didn't we, a few months ago where all football clubs decided not to be on Twitter for the weekend to try and put an end to racism. I mean, these are all kind of what I regard as slightly virtue signalling events which really don't make any difference. I think, you know, every little bit helps. You know, it's not hurting. Um, you know, I think you've got to kind of, you know, if they weren't doing it, they're not doing their jobs. So I think it's nice to kind of do these things, but it has to come from all angles. It has to come from government. It has to come from big business. It has to come from the people. It has to come from schools. It has to come from people, media guys as well, with these big platforms. And and you've got to slowly, I think as a drip, you've got to drip feed this through. So, it, and, and it's got to be on a continuous and, and, and longevity. You will, we have to have longevity on this. We can't just, you know, oh, it's done and we, or, or we're not hearing about it so much. Let's just move on. It's a continual thing. And I think with the, you know, with having the, uh, the knee, I think England really showed a fantastic kind of uh, gesture there. Uh, and obviously some of the uh, premiership clubs as well, not all, but it just shows that it, it, it does raise its head. Um, yeah, but it's not really making. If you, but but if, if what's happening today is still the same as it was happening four years ago, it's not really making any difference, is it? Yeah, but the thing is, though, it's uh, you know you're not going to eradicate this thing in in, in four years or, or ten years. This is a this has been around for centuries. I mean, you've got to you know recognize this. It has got better. People have you know realized that, and we've got a long way to go. But we've we've we're doing. Everybody's doing their bit it's not going to be like, you know, wave the magic wand, it's going to all happen. We've got to, you know, it's a slow burner. We've got to keep on going. It's, it's almost like a generation thing, mm. but we're mm. on a good, we're on a good start. We're talking about it. That's the main thing. We, we're understanding it. Uh, we're understanding that it exists and we've got to do something about it. And that's the main thing. Once you know and you people admit it exists, then you can do something about it. Everybody. And we are. And we are. And we are, you know, we're, we're making a step forward, but we've got a long way to go. Okay. One final thought, Sol. What uh, lessons should England be learning from the game last night? So that they, when they do go to Qatar for the World Cup, they're they're a stronger team. I think in that motion, I think we've got to go a little bit trust the players and, and maybe go toe to toe. We played a, a, a wonderful team that hasn't lost for thirty three now thirty four games, yeah. and. Um, you know, I think uh, with uh, Dumaruma, Dumar I think he only conceded one goal in the last number of games. Um, we just got to go toe to toe and also believe in ourselves even more. I felt we they had three in midfield, we had two. I think we should have just gone toe to toe in the midfield because once they started controlling the ball and having far too much time on the ball, they just dictated and it was just an onslaught. I think we'll learn from that. It should, it would, it's definitely going to hurt the lads because we're so close. They pushed them to the end, to the end, um, but just didn't have that little bit just to get over the line in the in the ninety minutes or, or the extra time. And then obviously penalties is a lottery. Yes, we've got to, we, we haven't got a good record with penalties, but you know the lads did really well. The, the young players, they'll the come back strong. 
Um, but you know they, they they've done the nation our nation proud, our nation proud. They've done amazingly. They've gone way and above uh, than all our expectations, and um, you know they, they've done us proud. Sol Campbell, thank you very much indeed. Sol Campbell, they're giving the views uh, of, I think, many people in this country uh, that, yes, you can have a go at Gareth Southgate, but the players themselves, I think, have done everything that they could do. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. Let us talk to Peter Hitchens, Mail on Sunday, colonist, voice of common sense. Peter, a very good morning to you. Morning. So, I mean, we should probably start with England, I suppose, because I quite liked your... uh, uh, your little piece in the in the column this week about the Dan- the Denmark game and and you know you you touched upon one the behaviour uh, of some of the fans but also on this kind of notion that that we get rather carried away you know there was a huge belief I and mean, I was watching the BBC coverage last night Gary Lineker um, and and Frank Lampard um, and Rio Ferdinand were talking as if England had already won it and they were playing a team that had not lost a game uh, in thirty three games Italy. Well, it's, I don't like to attack anybody else's beliefs. And I, I view football and the excitement around it as a belief that other people hold that I just don't. And the only time I get annoyed is when the whole world seems to have decided that I have to have an opinion about it, that I have to be enthusiastic when I'm not. And I take roughly the view of football as Karl Marx's sort of religion. He was much more sympathetic to it than people realise. He said it was the sigh of the oppressed creature, the soul of soulless conditions, the sentiment of a heartless world. People need something to believe in, to get excited about. I personally would prefer it if they did so in, in an old-fashioned Christian way. But football fills this hole in the lives of many people and it gives them a lot of pleasure. Well, good for them, but they shouldn't assume that everybody shares the same thing. And nor should people go, well, yesterday morning at 7 o'clock on BBC Radio 4, the headline... Uh, actually suggested that if the English football team won its match last night, they would become immortal. <laughs> uh, the word was actually used. I, this, is, this has gone too far. The BBC is supposed to check things, I think, three times before it puts them on, on the radio. And I think they had a hard time establishing factually that immortality would be conferred on the victorious football team. It's just it's ridiculous uh, uh, loss of, of, of restraint and proportion yeah. of the kind that we keep undergoing. So, sure, I, I have absolutely no desire to stop anybody else enjoying it, and, and I'm happy for them to do so, but there are there are un, un, unpleasant aspects to it. I found the booing of the national anthems, first of Denmark and then of Italy, absolutely disgraceful. Mm. I think this is, if you're supposed to be a sporting person, you're supposed to believe that fair fight in which you're, you, you respect your opponents and booing other people's national anthems simply is not. I find particularly repellent with the, the booing of the Danish national anthem. This is a small, friendly country which never did us any harm, and actually which we have done some harm to. I have ridiculous behaviour. I don't like the taking of a knee, which is a politicisation, which demands that people take a political position on something which they may not wish to. And again, it's, it's, it's totalitarian in its, in its nature. So those things, I don't know. and then again, people keep telling me that football, oh, you're, you're, you're a middle-class snob, you, you constantly go on about how violent football fans are. All that's over. Mm. Well, it isn't over, is Well, it? it's clearly not over, is it? It's all last night. And also, the, the, there, is a, there is an awful lot, I'm afraid, of very uh, uneducated and foolish racial bigotry still to be found in, um, among some of the people who get enthusiastic about football. And it's, it showed its ugly face again. Uh, I think people like me are entitled to say it's not snobbery mm. at all. It's just this, this, this is a 
a form of entertainment or sport or whatever you wish to call it. It's increasingly entertainment, it seems to me, uh, which has for some reason attracted uh, some very unpleasant things and doesn't seem to be very good at driving them away or getting them under control. No, and yet it continually fails. I mean, you know, apparently UEFA um, were aware of the fact that some fans broke into the stadium for the Denmark game, which was partly as a result of the, of the seats not all being sold out. So there were spaces effectively for them. But they didn't really sort of let that story out because they worried that the COVID police would affect them uh, and the COVID police would say, well, you can't play the final at Wembley if you can't protect the numbers of people in there. And so, you know, it's a sort of overall failure, I think. Yeah, you can understand that, though, can't you? When all of us live our lives now under the, the, the constant threat of the COVID police deciding that something entirely innocent, which we've previously done, uh, turns out to be bad, mm. uh, and, but, and also of, of things being simply shut down in this, this foot-stamping way, uh, because the, 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 great, uh, the great objective of total safety from disease and the abolition of death has to be pursued at all costs. So you, you can understand that again. Well, I, I was more disturbed by the fact that nobody in the football authorities seemed to be particularly bothered uh, by the shining of a laser mm. in, the, in, the, in the face of the Danish goalkeeper. An incredibly dangerous act of, of criminal violence, in my view, which if the perpetrator is ever caught and convicted, uh, should result in a lengthy prison sentence. I, and uh, there were suggestions which I didn't think were entirely uh, entirely outrageous that the, the, the game should be replayed, uh, especially since the, the moment at which this happened. Nobody knows. I don't think anyone's asked the, the goalkeeper whether he, he was affected by it, but it was, it was a vital moment in the game. And it he was. was affected but he, sa- I mean, he did save the ball, so I suppose you might argue that... Well, yes, but then again, he, he was unable when it was kicked back, back at him to... Yes. to so yeah, no, no listen, I mean, I'm, I'm, t- I'm told by people who have been going to the games that the security has been so lax because all the security guards have been doing is making sure that you've got your COVID pass. And actually, uh, whether you've got a laser pen uh, or drugs or fireworks <laughs> or bottles of beer or, or anything else, hasn't been, hasn't been checked. Well, I, I noticed an account of some people get, going to a park to watch the game on screens yesterday being searched and, and, and having all their documents demanded as well. Mm. It's, it's extraordinary what people have kind of put up with. But that is, as I say, where we yeah. now live, a country in which people accept far more state interference in their personal yes. lives than they ever did before or than they should. Yeah, and there is and there is this kind of um, the creeping... Um, collectivism I call it I suppose where um, Gareth Southgate became this kind of messianic figure uh, where who could never be questioned who could not be criticised you know and regardless yes, of, know. Of, of whatever you mean I, was, I mean look like you I was listening to uh, the BBC much to my chagrin uh, last night BBC Five Live and the guy who interviewed Gareth Southgate after the game thanked him and then said and thank you for everything you've done for us as if he was like the Dalai Lama or something the dear, the dear leader. Yeah. Uh, quite possibly, if there were an election for dear leader, he, he would now wait. But again, <laughs> turning to our friends at the BBC, uh, on one morning last week, they actually hired an actor, uh, Rory um, Kinnear, to read out Gareth Southgate's message to his players and the people of England, or whatever it was, right. uh, in reverent tones. I thought, have I stumbled into thought for the day, or has the daily service already begun. It, it had a completely religious uh, aspect to it, of, of utter reverence. Well, OK, I mean, I'm sure this, Mr Southgate is a very fine footballer and extremely good manager, but things 
and go too far. Well, isn't it fascinating as well that the people making these kinds of editorial decisions would would sneer at the likes of you for going to church and actually enjoying worshipping uh, your God um, because they think it's rather pathetic. Indeed, this is a, one of the great um, one of the great joys of my life listening to people haranguing me for religious belief who have beliefs which I find far more outrageous <laughs> and hard to justify, which they pursue with enormous enthusiasm, entirely unconscious uh, that there is any kind of comparison. Yes, exactly right. You also wrote uh, on Sunday about your fears for our freedoms, um, that, uh, you know, we keep being promised them uh, being returned to us. Certainly there was a lot going on this weekend, which would suggest that lockdown is kind of finished. But that's a bit of a false dawn, isn't it? So. I think there's a great wrestling match going on in Whitehall um, between those people who would like to bring it to an end, partly for the sake of the economy. Mm. And furlough at the moment is, it must be uh, strangling the economy with enormous uh, force uh, and uh, those who, who, who want to carry it on forever. And I notice that, it's now, that uh, it's now being said that Mr Johnson has backed away from his original statement that once we were released on the 19th, it would be irreversible. And I strongly suspect that there will be a very, very strong propaganda attempt, of course, back to, I have to mention them again, here we go, the BBC, uh, to suggest that whatever opening up takes place uh, after July the 19th uh, will be said to have caused uh, a, a, a supposed spike in the number of cases. And again, because round about, I suppose, uh, October, November, Last year, the country wholly abandoned reason and uh, a serious analysis when it looked at statistics. It's going to be very difficult to say, well, do these statistics mean what we think they mean or what we're being told that they mean? And as soon as you can, you can cram the graph up tight enough and get enough spikes and peaks on it, people can quite easily, I think, especially in the current mood, uh, be panicked back into accepting a, 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 a restoration of all the things or most of the things which have been, which will be lifted on yeah. the nineteenth. I'm not at all confident that we will get through to say October without it all being brought back again. Uh, but the, the, the difficulty is you can't now argue against it because the last, uh, the last autumn's events pretty much ended any serious opposition or scepticism about what was being said. I saw yesterday in, in Oxford. I, I tweeted a picture of it a rather expensive looking truck with a big um, electronic poster on it saying get tested for COVID. And it occurred to me that if we had actually had the facilities, I'm not suggesting that I would have been in favour of this at the time, if we had the facilities to test the population as intensively as we are doing now uh, for COVID positivity in March and April of 2020 when this was beginning, we'd have some basis for comparison. We'd, I think if we'd done that, we'd have an enormous number positives uh, compared with now. Mm. Uh, but because we didn't do that, uh, we, we, we sort of assumed it was zero then. And we, we look at the, the peaks now, which I think are almost certainly much lower than they would have been in the spring of 2020. And we get alarmed about them. But there, again, with all these figures, there is no serious attempt to examine them for proportionality and truth no. and classification in an intelligent way. And this is how statistics are misused by, by, by presenting them in a way that the figures are correct, that they're presented in a way which, which gives a misleading impression of what they mean. Yes. And this is what we will face very much in the, in, in the late summer and early autumn in this country, I think. And I'd be surprised if we make it through it without a, a restoration of at least some 
of the restrictions which are about to be lifted. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Stay with us, Peter, if you would. We're going to take a short break. Uh, Peter Hitchens with his Man on Sunday column has got much more to talk to him about, uh, particularly with regard to the mask debate, which is still raging. Uh, to Sanjeev Javid, uh, who's making a statement supposedly later today in the House of Commons. We don't know what that's going to be yet. As soon as we do know, we will bring it to you. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Peter Hitchens is with us. Peter, as I was saying, uh, Sajid Javid supposedly is making some kind of statement this afternoon uh, in the House. We're not quite sure what it's going to be. Uh, hopefully it won't be uh, some kind of rolling uh, back or, or moving backwards of, of what they plan to do on July the 19th. I think it's clear that uh, a point I've been making for some time uh, those who had hoped that the wearing of masks would become a thing of the past, as it has, I think, in large parts of the United States now, mm. uh, are going to be disappointed. Uh, but rather than continue to enforce this by law, a very peculiar arrangement seems to be coming our way where we will be expected, I'm not sure quite by whom, uh, to wear masks, uh, which seems to me to be possibly a recipe for confrontation between mask wearers and non-mask wearers in public places. Uh, and not uh, likely to be effective. And then again, perhaps uh, this too will lead uh, to demands and political action to restore uh, the mask edict, which has temporarily been removed. Again, until this is all gone, until I can once again live as I lived before March of 2020, Mm. you're not going to get me to say, oh, joy and wonder, it's all over. Uh, I see many, many people still fighting very, very hard media and in the in, in the establishment and in politics to try and keep us as restrained yeah. as, as they possibly can. No, quite. Uh, because they believe they're so clever and so good that they think that they have the the, the, the freedom and the, the power to do so and they're justified in this. And yeah. I, the, there is, as I say, this battle going on in which you, you, you can see it quite clearly in the obviously extremely un, unbiased interventions of the British Broadcasting Corporation, who, by the way, uh, invited me onto the Today programme uh, mm. last week, and then uninvited me a few hours later. On, but this is a really funny thing, on the pretext that, that there was too much COVID on the programme. <laughs> so, the whole programme was about COVID. Right. It wasn't too much COVID there, it was too much Peter Hitchens. Well, exactly. Uh, which is any, any quantity more than zero, as far as the Today programme. Well, they, say, they seem to have Neil Ferguson on an awful lot, don't they? He's like this. Well, don't they, though? Yeah. I mean, he's on uh, practically every he's on practically every day. But I'll tell you what was also interesting yesterday. A lot of people pointed out that Messrs. Chris Whitty, Patrick Valance, and Jonathan Van Tam all appeared uh, at Wembley. I think they were all in the Royal Box at one point or another over the uh, at Wimbledon rather over the weekend. Uh, none of them wearing a mask, despite that Chris Whitty had said if they were in a an area where there were a lot of people around, he would wear a mask. So I'm afraid that doesn't really do their cause much good. The work. Quite a lot of people there, weren't there? Yes, yes. I don't know. But of course, they are. This is, they have been wholly inconsistent over this. I, I treasure. I keep a. I keep a treasury of quotations from these people back in the early months of the of the continuing crisis. Uh, a blog posting called "Why Are People Still Wearing Masks, Particularly Outdoors?" Uh, all the quotations from these professors and experts and the World Health Organization saying, "Well, actually, no masks are much use either uh, for protecting those who wear them or." for protecting other people from catching COVID from them. So both the claims which were made for them were at one time dismissed as either untrue or so weak as not to be worth bothering with by the very people who now advocate it. And this extraordinary reverse ferret international U-turn 
and continues to be a fascination to me. And Deborah Cohen, of course, the BBC uh, Newsnight medical correspondent, at the time stated uh, that she had discovered from her contacts in the World Health Organization that the reversal had been political and not based on medical evidence. Mm. It's all there. Uh, you can say it to your to, to, to your bright green in the face uh, as many times as you like. It's but large parts of uh, say politics and the media still continue to ignore this factual thing. The the decision to make us all wear masks was not based upon medical need, but no. on politics. Anybody who actually thinks that one of these things of floppy, loose, damp uh, cloth mask, frequently stuffed in the pocket, taken out again, fingered, uh, reused. Uh, it could be of any possible uh, serious benefit uh, against a, 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 a an aerosol-borne virus. That is ridiculous in the first place. If, you, if people actually started wearing the sort of masks which do prevent uh, infection, then I, I, I think they, they would find them a good deal more oppressive and certainly a huge amount more expensive. Mm. But these things which, which university want are a symbol of adherence to the cult of, oh, we, we'll do anything to, uh, to, to avoid covid and we will stop thinking yes. if the government tells us to stop thinking rather than a medical precaution. Yes, and now, of course, it's seen as a sign that you are a good person uh, because you take uh, other people's uh, sort of uh, cares into account, and that's why you're wearing it's, a mask, because it's to protect it's great them. People, great people who meet me because they know I'm a bad person. Now they can tell uh, without any further investigation from a long way off that I'm a bad person. Yes. Well, I like to look at it from the other perspective, that if you see somebody wearing a mask after July the 19th, they're, they're very happily pointing out that these are people that you wouldn't particularly want to converse with because they're clearly, oh. they're, they're clearly you know on the wrong side of the argument i do try not to be like them though i think i think if i see someone wearing myself there may be a sort of inner impulse to to to, to deride them as, as, as feeble unthinking sheep but i they, you have to suppress it these are other human beings uh you won't persuade them out of their mask by being horrible to them or by denouncing mm. them well, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be horrible I to them i just think one way that where i don't not in any way going to attack you privately or publicly for doing so uh, but i just wish that you would you would make the necessary investigations into experimental scientific facts and see uh, how unjustified it mm. is as an action and at the very least uh, consider all those things before condemning me for not wearing one that's but i don't i really i don't think we those of us who, do, who don't believe in this should should treat the the, the other side as they so often treat us i yeah. think that's a mistake no, I think you're absolutely right, um, and I would not. Uh, I did not mean to give that impression. All I'm saying no, is that uh, I would. I, I certainly wouldn't be aggressive towards anybody, and I certainly wouldn't deride them publicly. But I just uh, find it useful, as I say, uh, as a guide, uh, generally no, speaking. Been, no, sure. I mean, I say this, but I mean, distress about talking to people in shops who, for heaven's sake, are only trying to enforce rules that other people have told them to mm. enforce. Who tell me that they've been abused by people who, who they've asked to wear masks? I am so wrong. Yeah. Uh, if, you, if, if, if people ask you to wear a mask, then, 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 then you, you're exempt or not. Then be polite about saying that. I want, it, otherwise, you're simply going to confirm their prejudice mm. that non-mask wearers are antisocial thugs. And I really, people should be very careful about this. And if you if you want to make a case, then the first starting point. It's politeness. You'd be pleasant to other people, for goodness sake. It's not that hard. No, I know. I mean, sadly, politeness seems to have gone the way of many things in this country. But there we are. Peter, great to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Peter Hitchens, Mail on Sunday, columnist, of course. Selling a little or a lot? 
Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. ...load of marauding England fans just basically pushing their way through a gate um, against about six or seven security high-vis jacket-wearing characters who simply were overwhelmed. And they ran into the stadium and just went and found somewhere to stand and sit um, and alarmed an awful lot of people, were very drunk, got carried away, beat people up. I mean, it's a terrible, terrible scene. Let's talk to Mark Anthony Stringfellow, administration administrator, I should say, of England Football Fans' Facebook page. Mark, very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Disappointing, disappointing, disappointing is all I can say. What's your uh, what's your take on it all? Uh, completely gutted. I think we had it within our grasp and uh, maybe a little bit of naivety in terms of tactical substitutions towards yeah. the end of the game cost us. Um, I just didn't want it to go to penalties. I know you said the other day that you felt confident, but it's just... I don't know. I wasn't confident. Well, do you know, I, I would have, I would have you know, seen so in, in other circumstances. Given that the Italians missed two, um, if England had simply put proper penalty takers in, yeah. I mean, Saka, for example, I, I was told last night has never taken a penalty uh, in a senior game, not for Arsenal and not for England. Um, he's only ever taken two penalties, <laughs> missed one of them. You know, so the idea that he wanted to take it is kind of madness, isn't that? What the manager's for? The manager's there to sort of overrule the uh, over-enthusiastic youngster and say, maybe the fifth penalty is not for you. Yeah, definitely. If you look at the fact that Pickford was amazing to save two um, and Southgate has said that he picked the penalty takers, I think Jack Grealish looked to me a really a little bit annoyed. Yeah. I think Grealish should have took one. And I think Rashford and Sancho, he, he brought them on too late. Once Chiesa went off, we had the opportunity mm. to push them in extra time and they were there for the taking and unfortunately we weren't brave enough or Gareth who has been amazing I think if we'd have been a bit more strong and and gone for it we might have actually done it because penalties was only really I mean we saved two and we still lost well that's the thing and normally speaking if you save two you should win really um, and, and I think you're absolutely right. The second half was very, very negative for England. And you just knew that if you're going to sit back and let Italy come at you, I mean, this is a team uh, that are very, very good. They are a, a team that hasn't been beaten in 33 games, now 34. And you just think, you know, I can't imagine what the mindset was. It's like the old England mentality of, you know, hunker down, you know, let's just try and stop anybody from scoring a goal. 
and then see what happens. And they never really, I mean, people were pointing out, even on the commentary that I was listening to, you know, England have got a young, quick team. You could see Sterling was frustrated. He was having to go back and get the ball. You know, they weren't running at them, were they? No, we had, the frustrating part really is we had the talent on the bench, Sancho, Rashford, who, you know, two years ago was, was on the first team sheet every game. We had the ability to go and attack them and we didn't really utilise, I don't think Mason Mount had a great couple of games. I think he was probably overplayed a little bit. Grealish, who everybody was calling for, didn't get enough game time. Neither did Rashford, Sancho, Bellingham. Um, we missed a little bit of an opportunity and hopefully he can learn from that because he's, it's been amazing what Gareth's done. But he's the first guy to admit that maybe once Chiesa went off, as I said, they looked they looked susceptible. He ran the, the show in the mm. second. Because he looked very dangerous, didn't he? He did, he did. And 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 but once he went off, they seemed to sit back and play for penalties in extra time. Yeah, I mean, who and does that? Gareth being Gareth, must he must have thought, no, I don't want penalties. Let's just put everybody yeah. on and let's go for it. Yeah. And also, the idea that you put people on a minute before the end of extra time so they can take a penalty is kind of mad, isn't it? It's crazy because they almost didn't get them on because it, they had one opportunity and I think they got them on like two minutes later than they should have come on. But yeah. you've got to feel for those guys. Marcus usually just puts his foot through it and scores penalties with ease for United. And he just overthought it a little bit, but... They were cold coming on, and like you say, Grealish should have took one. Uh, and I do think if Rashford had gone in, if we'd have gone up in the penalties with two to go, it could have been a different yeah. story. But it wasn't. And we just push on now for the World Cup qualifiers in September. And as long as he just takes on board the fact that we, we've got the players to, to, to excite, and we, we could have tore Italy apart and their back yeah. line there. Back line and and I think that's what the fans want to see as well. I mean, you know, I think if England had attacked scored more goals and lost somehow because they they let some 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 play go at the back people would have understood that and accepted it but it was a kind of it was sort of a typical way of england to go out wasn't it it was just kind of slightly limp slightly disappointing slightly nerve-wracking i mean i could see people just like holding their heads in their hands not even watching when the final two penalties were going in and you just think god you know after having done so well to get there they just deserved i think the players deserved a better game yeah, definitely. It was tough that a good team, the Italians, but you know, we we I would have preferred to have lost two or three one yeah. in normal time by attacking them and going for it mm. because penalties now it comes back to penalties. I thought we'd got over that little bit of a, a hoodoo with the Colombia game in the World Cup, but it's kind of everything's come back to roost and you know, we just have to hold our head up. It's been an amazing run. Uh, Gareth's been amazing. The team have been amazing. My only criticism would be we didn't actually play the flair players. Yeah. Like, Greenish, everybody, all of us last night, we were all screaming with half an hour to go in normal time. Get Grealish on for yeah. Mount because Mount was ineffective. Mm. And to be fair, Kane looked really tired in the game and, and Sterling was ineffective and we didn't mix it up to try and go in for the throats and win the game yeah. and, and we should have done. But what about don't. what about inside the stadium itself? Because I don't know which part of it you were in, but I don't know if you've seen what was going on outside, some of the breaking in uh, by some of the fans uh, who just literally rampaged their way through. I mean, I know that people don't want to talk about this, but it is something that is a problem that England are going to have to fix, aren't they? It's shocking, Mike. It, it, I've seen a little bit of the footage and it is shocking that the people were trying to get in without tickets. 
The security obviously should have been a little bit better than maybe the stewarding. But unfortunately, you're going to have these idiots and the people that go online, you know, you're going to have those guys forever. You're never going to be able to eradicate it. And it, they're not part of, of, of us and what we stand for as, as, a, as a nation and as a football team. And, you know, publicly, I'll say it's, it's, it's awful. Mm. Um, we, what did, the, you, what the, did you see in the stadium itself? I, I wasn't there. I wasn't fortunate enough to get. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were. I was with my family and friends, and and I've seen it, and it, I just it was awful. Um, it, it spoils, and the trouble is, it gives us a little bit of a bad name when we're not like that as a nation. I mean, talking about the game, I thought that there was possibly two red cards for those guys. Yeah. Thought the the foul on Saka where he grabbed him by the neck was not a foul. It was more of an assault. <laughs> and Greeley was stamped on in the Premier League. That's a blatant red card. And um, but. And that's know. what Italy does, and that's what I said at the, in the first hour. It was a bit of a sort of boys v men situation at the end because the Italians did what they always do, which was to win by any means, and that's kind of why they yeah. haven't lost for thirty four games. Yeah, definitely, definitely fair play. You know, they, they, they've been the two best teams contested the final for me. I just thought if we'd have gone at them and put Rashford on and some fresh legs towards the second half of. The second half, we could have forced forced a win. I'm confident we could have done yeah. that. But as I say, push on now. But we we've got to condemn the people that forced their way into the stadium and on all of the abuse. The trouble is that you give these people more airtime and they seem to do it more. I think we've just got to. Well, that's um, not true actually, because they did it in the Denmark game and nobody knew about it. And I think they were encouraged to do it more because nobody said anything. And in fact, that- if they'd been arrested after the Denmark game and made sure that uh, the security was tightened, but UEFA didn't do that, actually giving them more publicity probably would have stopped it. Yeah, quite, quite Do you know possibly, what I mean? Yeah. That's the problem, Mark. Listen, good to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Mark Anthony Stringfellow, admin of England Football Fans Facebook page. Um, the point is this, right? Um, you can't ignore hooliganism. You cannot ignore it and hope that it goes away. It hasn't gone away. If anything, it's come back. But I want to know who these people are. I want to know why they think they can behave like that. And what they think they're achieving. You know, they're drug fueled boozed up thugs. Simple as that. They're not England fans. They're having a good time. They're out for a jolly. They're beating up innocent people. They're frightening children. These people are dangerous and they need to be stopped. It's that simple. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Time to say a very good afternoon and congratulations to Aldo Zilli, celebrity chef, Italy fan, a man who's often uh, on the right side of history. Aldo, very good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Graham. How are you? I'm very well indeed, sir. Listen, Hi. Um, you... Hi, m- listen, before, I, before we go any further, yeah. um, you know you said that you're on TV uh, now and everything else. Yes. Uh, is that why you're wearing a suit? Uh, that's right, yes, because you know what I've found, uh, Aldo, is if I wear a shirt and a tie, uh, people take me more seriously. Uh, you, do. you do. You do look very serious. Thank look you. At state, look at the state of me. I haven't washed this for the last two weeks. I was going to say, have you been to bed yet? Uh, a couple of hours. Huh? A couple of hours. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it was quite a night, and I, and I guess from obviously from the England point of view, very disappointing. But from Italian uh, Italy's point of view, it was a typically Italian performance for me. You know, little trip here and there, little pulling of the shirt when you needed to do it. Scoring of a goal when it was required, you know, it was it was a tough old game, but I, I congratulate you heartily because Italy did exactly what it says on the tin. Well, 
you know, we have the old, um, the old defence, haven't we? The old Catenaccio defence. Catenaccio, yeah. I remember those we, days from, you know, the 70s when they used to win everything. Yeah, with Chiellini and Bonucci. I mean, sadly, we, they probably won't play for the... I think that was probably the last tournament, for, especially for Chiellini. Yeah. But I have to be honest, uh, Chiellini and Bonucci, they thrive out of, um, out of people booing them, out of... Um, out of uh, pressure in Wembley, uh, you know, it was uh, an away game for us. And they really grow when, when things like that happen in a big occasion like that. They, they go up in, instead of, instead of um, going down and, and uh, you know, closing themselves in. They go up and they thrive and they go and they want to win and they want to show the fans. They want to show off in the world that they're the best. So that's, that's exactly what happened, you know, and Bonucci scoring a goal for a defender. I think that was quite something last night. And, you know, Mancini should be very, 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 very proud. Yes. I mean, he's been fantastic, hasn't he? And you could see, um, and many people have said this since last night, that he was really um, much cleverer about his tactics. I think his substitutions were a lot better, you know, and in many ways he's a much more sophisticated and successful manager, really, than Gareth Southgate, who, for all of his good points, is not a man who's been in that situation before. Well, the thing is, I don't know whether you, if you watch the game, the first half, he was a, a, a very unhappy manager. Yeah. He was shouting and screaming and, and doing his, you know, basically things weren't going his way. And the, the, he tweaked the team. I don't know whether you noticed that. Yes. And he, put, he put Chiesa over the other side. And, uh, and then um, he, he made a, a substitution. And that was it. The second half, we the, the 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 midfield took over again with Jorginho in charge, um, and uh, that that was um, you know that was the the, the difference between uh, the English going in defence and trying to keep the the one nil, uh, which was not a very good thing to do. That was idi- I think that was idiotic, wasn't it? it I I didn't I, I didn't enjoy that. I I thought you know you had. A, this was your chance. Yeah. I thought. I thought this was your chance when you scored the first three minutes. I thought this is it today. Tonight is not going to be our night. Yeah, right. And uh, I was quite, you know, I was quite um, happy that to if you lo- if we lost with the ninety minutes two or three nil, I wouldn't have been surprised last night. No. But but if not, they'd carried on, but if they carried on, if they carried on, Jack Grealish, what's the point of that? Yeah, I know. And if they carried on playing like that. That would have put Italy under pressure. And the thing is, you know, a lot of people said England have got this young team, very quick people like uh, Declan Rice, I thought was great. Shaw was great. You know, um, we know precisely what uh, Raheem Sterling can do. Um, and But they never really used any of them to full extent. You know, they didn't run. You said Chiellini now is probably going to not play for Italy again because he's, he's getting on a bit. They should have been running at him, shouldn't they? Well, the thing was, you, we, we've lost Spinazzola, which was one of our best players. And replaced him with Emerson, which is on the bench at Chelsea. He doesn't play. Right. So there, that that pocket there should have been filled with Sancho, because Emerson wouldn't have been able to cope with him. But it, but actually, actually, it wasn't. Sancho came in much much later with Rashford. What's the point of that? I know. Either, you know? I know. It, I don't. I don't understand the the tactics of. Um, uh, I mean, he had a fantastic um, tournament. You know your manager Southgate had a great tournament, but you know he, he's uh, he's gonna he's going to go on and on and on maybe to, to be great at the World Cup. But I'm not so a sure. Fantastic team, but I've felt short last night for the English. Yes, 
I no. think if you'd reversed the managers, I think England would have won. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but don't forget the Mancini uh, has got around him, he's surrounded himself with very, very fantastic football people. Yeah. Like Oriali, he won, who won the, the, gold, the World Cup. He's, he's working with him. Vial is working with him. So, you know, it's not just Mancini. It's, got, it's a whole mm. lot. The, it, it's a big team of people that are very football-orientated people. Yes. And that's why we're doing so well. And that's, I think the World Cup is going to be amazing for England and Italy, to yes. be fair. But that is the thing, isn't it? You know, Gianluca Vialli, great player, knows England as well, terribly well. You know, what a fantastic sort of, um, you know, inside guy to have in the in the dugout. Whereas England don't seem to use or utilise their, their players in that way, do they? They're players who are no longer playing. No, they, they, they don't. No, unfortunately, unfortunately for, for England, they don't. I think that's what they should do more of, in mm. fact. You know, because uh, it's, look at Southgate, what, how, how well he's done. You know, I mean, he, he you know, he, he missed the penalty, um, and from that, from that time onwards, he's never forgotten that, and he's now, you know, one of one of the best managers in Europe. He's, he's, he's Is done he he's, he's done extremely well, but unfortunately, um, you know, to become to become as as good as Mancini, he needs a bit more experience, I think. I think that's true. The thing that a lot of England fans worry about, Aldo, though, is that England had a great chance, right? You know, it was certainly uh, at the end of the first half, anybody's game. England could have pushed on and won the game. And they may not get another opportunity to get this far in a tournament. Well, you had a, 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 a sort of um, not an easy ride. I mean, you had Germany, but it's not the same. They're not very good, are they? Um, we had a very, very difficult one. You know, we, we, we knocked out Belgium. We knocked out Spain. Yeah. Uh, we nearly lost with Spain. In fact, I think Spain was was probably the one that I thought were, were going to knock us out. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we went and won on penalties. Uh, but, you know, Spain, Switzerland, um, Belgium, you you had a... This was your this was your chance. This is your year. I think that, you know... Uh, Unfortunately, you missed you missed out. And it was and it was at home. It was at Wembley. It was well. That's another thing, isn't it? Sixty-five thousand people uh, screaming for England and five thousand Italians last night, uh, which made a lot of noise for what they were. But then you know it, it got it, the dampener was uh, the the problems outside the stadium. It, it just it went it went backwards. You know it went backwards. It was it was such a great high. And then such a great love. Yes. You know, I, was, I was in London, got, uh, tried to, car, to, get, to get home. was a, an absolute nightmare. Was this last night? Yeah. Yeah. Where did you watch the game, Alder? Uh, I was actually uh, uh, reporting. Uh, I, was, I was working. How were you? Yeah, I was doing a bit of um, GB News TV. Oh, okay. So yeah. uh, where, 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 what was going on where you, where you were? Because I'm told it was, I mean, it was mayhem in Leicester Square yesterday afternoon. I don't know what it was like in the evening. Trafalgar Square, I think, last night was bad, wasn't it? Soho, Trafalgar Square, you couldn't move, you couldn't get anywhere. And then, um, you know, if you compare that to the Italy-Spain game, I was in Wembley for that. If you compare the two, yeah. uh, when, we, when I came out of Wembley on, um, on the Italy-Spain um, game, Everybody was uh, embracing. Everybody yeah. was uh, was talking. Uh, nobody was uh, drinking. There was no bottles in, uh, throwing everywhere. Right. There was no cans of beer. Uh, it was just a you know a clean affair. 
last night it was mayhem, man. Yeah. It was just like so, so bad. And it was the same with the, with the Danish game. You know, so we, I don't know, it's, 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 re- it's, it's repeating itself, really. That's what I'm trying I to just say. think it's such a shame because, you know, we should have got rid of this nonsense. I mean, the Italian fans, whenever there was club football going on in, in Europe, used to be quite bad. I don't know what they're like now as far as, you know, uh, in, in Italy itself. Um, but, you know... Well, and we know the German fans can be can be pretty tasty, the Dutch fans as well. But but this is our home tournament um, in England, and you would have thought that these idiots would have more respect for their own country. Well, I mean, why well, are they smashing up London? Well, there's yeah, there's, you're smashing up your own country. I mean, I, I could understand if it was in Rome. I mean, in Rome, the scenes in Rome, um, the night of the the Spanish game weren't very good either. To be fair. Um, they had to uh, take down all the big screens, so they only put one big screen last night for people to watch. Ah. So, and um, but Italy didn't sleep last night. You know, after what we've been through with the pandemic and everything, yeah. this this is come home. Uh, you know, football's come come Rome. They say, but it's <laughs> yeah, it's been a it's been an incredible year. If you think about it, we nearly had a we nearly had a hat trick with the tennis. Yeah, you know we we won the Eurovision. He's he's going to be a great player though, isn't he? Oh, Berrettini. Nobody nobody was talking about nobody's been talking about the tennis, but that game. Uh, I went, I watched that game. Yeah, me I too. To. Oh, it was fabulous. Oh my God, man! This 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 guy is uh, is uh, he was I mean for who he was playing, uh, I thought he did really well. And he's ridiculously handsome as well. Well, uh, it's a my wife, um, my wife watched it more than me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Now, I always ask you, Aldo, when I see you, what are you, what are you up to? What are you doing? What's your latest project? Well, you know, um, we um, opened, uh, through the pandemic, we opened Casa Zilli here, with, where we are, uh, in Surrey. And we, we started doing uh, deliveries and takeaways from uh, our kitchens here, because yeah. we've got a big, big space. And then now we start, we're open, we've opened the gardens, so we're doing experiences in the garden. And people are flying from all over the place in the helicopters. They're landing my field. Wow. And they come here, they eat, they, and they go. Nice. Sounds perfect. If only I had a helicopter. Yeah, well, if you don't have a helicopter, you can drive it. It's all right. <laughs> so any chance of you coming back into London anytime soon? Restaurant-wise? Uh, not in the restaurant business, no. I'll come, down to, I'll come up to London to see you. Yeah. Do that. Come up, I'll take you out. Sounds good. Aldo Zilli, celebrity chef and Italy fan, of course, a very happy man because Italy, of course, uh, and we haven't even mentioned this, uh, got into the final uh, of Wimbledon as well. Novak Djokovic incredibly won um, over four sets, but uh, but Berrettini, absolutely brilliant. Matteo Berrettini, a name you should remember because he's going to win Wimbledon one of these days. Uh, he was a very good player, made a few mistakes, was a bit nervous, but brilliant. Uh, and the tennis match was so civilised, wasn't it? You know, I mean, the equivalent of what happened at Wembley, if it had happened at Wimbledon, you know, when Berrettini lost, people would be throwing bottles at Novak Djokovic and beating each other up uh, in the centre court royal box. That doesn't happen in tennis. Why does it happen in football? What's wrong with them? The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Kingsley says this, I had my strangest mask situation at the weekend. Stopped at the McDonald's for breakfast, ordered on the app and gave a table number of an outside table. The server came out and said you can't eat at the outside tables as they are closed. You have to come inside to eat. Huh? Why, why would you do that? Why wouldn't you sit outside? That sounds a bit mad, doesn't it? Let's talk to Matt Vickers, Conservative MP for Stockton South. Uh, since we called Aldo Zilli an Italy fan, we'll have to call Matt Vickers an England fan, I guess. Matt, very good afternoon to you. 
Good afternoon. How's it going? Well, I mean, it was going better before the second half started, I have to say, uh, yesterday, because I did want England to win, despite my Scottish antecedents. You know, I did think this was going to be their year. I predicted it would go to penalties, but I thought England would be lucky enough to win the penalties. And you know what? In, in almost any situation, if you save two penalties from the opposition, you win the penalty shootout, but not England. We hate penalties, don't we? Do you know what? For all the money in the world, if I was actually any good, which I'm not, I would not be taking one of those penalties for all the money on the planet. It's horrendous, a horrendous. Task yeah, but this is what these guys are paid to do. You know, pressure comes naturally to them, and dealing with pressure comes naturally to them. I felt very sorry uh, for Saka being put into that situation because he really, I mean, he, he shouldn't have been, even if he volunteered for it. I don't think it was the right decision. Jack Grealish has actually tweeted out this morning, about an hour ago, uh, to say. Uh, because he was being criticised for not taking one. He said, I wanted to take one, and I said I wanted to take one. The gaffer has made met so many right decisions throughout this tournament, and he did tonight. But I won't have people say that I didn't want to take a penalty when I said that I would. And if Jack Grealish has said he wants to take a penalty, why wouldn't you let him? Well, that's, that's down to people who are brighter than me to, to make such decisions. But actually, you know what? In reality, I think Gareth Southgate knows better than anybody the consequences of, of a penalty like that. Mm. Um and actually, you know what? We're all downbeat today. But in real terms, if you'd asked us when we were going out onto that pitch to play Germany, uh, if, we'd, if we'd have took a win there against the Germans, and if we'd have took getting through to the final, we'd have said, yes, yeah. please. Um, yes, but so then, I think we've you got know, to be very upbeat about it. And I think we've also got to consider this the warm-up for the World Cup. Well, That's the one we want. Well, you say that, but there's a lot of other teams in the World Cup that are also as good as Italy. Um, and, you know, England really did have a great chance to win last night, but they just kind of got the tactics wrong, I think. Well, we're going to be back bigger, brighter and a little bit older and a little bit wiser and, and we're going to smash it at the World Cup. OK, uh, well, you're already talking like a maniac, Matt, I'm afraid. He's running away with it. I mean, this is the trouble. I mean, I was listening to Gary Lineker's conversation at the start of the kickoff last night um, with, uh, you know, Alan Shearer was there, uh, Frank Lampard, Rio Ferdinand. I mean, they'd already won it as far as they were concerned. They were, they were going to win it 3-0. This was the greatest England team ever. They can only can stop them. You know, Italy are a bit older, a bit less mobile, you know. You would have thought that, 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 that there was not a team out there who had not lost for 33 games and who were rather cynical and rather well-versed in stopping younger players from running past them. You know what, Mike? You've got a dream. You've got a dream. You've got a dream big. Um, no, I think you're probably right. I think we did get overexcited. Uh, but, you know, they did a damn good job. We only conceded two goals during the entire thing. We've never been to the finals of a Euro before. Mm. I think we did really well. No, listen, um, I think we should definitely concentrate on the positives because it was a great few weeks for the country coming out of the the, the the pandemic and actually having something to cheer about. I mean, unfortunately ruined by these maniacal, useless, hopeless hooligans, which we're going to have to do something about, Matt. I bet you they won't be rampaging around in Qatar, by the way, uh, because if they do, they'll find themselves getting about a thousand lashes, I would imagine. I think you're right. I think you're entirely right. But then you you look at the sort of the 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 response to some sometimes when we do get tough, like mm. this, the, the things we're doing around protests and the ridiculous protests we had. We get a bit tough. We give the police a few more powers, and and certain people start screaming about it. They think yeah. it's madness that we should crack down on such things. We do have to sort them out. And the problem is they let the entire side down. We talk about football fans these aren't football fans no. they're just bloody yobs who turn up well, but also Leicester Square yesterday afternoon what a disgraceful performance that was you know people going about their business I just spoke to Aldo Zilli he was saying it was awful in the centre of London yesterday Soho uh, Trafalgar Square pretty much late into the night early hours of the morning so ordinary people you know with families with children can't enjoy just a night in London because they're worried they might get hit in the head with a bottle 
It's it's ridiculous. I mean, the state in which those streets were left, the amount of rubbish left yeah. behind, it's just unbelievable that people just don't give a monkeys. Mm. But actually, you know what? It's pristine this morning, so big thanks to everybody who got out there and tidied the damn thing mm. up. But yeah, yeah it's, it's out of order. We do need to find some way of, you know what? People can have a few drinks. They can have a very good time. They don't need to do things like that. No, exactly. That. And also, there's a problem at Wembley, it seems to me, Matt, that it's the national stadium of England, and yet these people, these marauding fans, seem to be able to bust into it whenever they want. Mm-hmm. I think, I think actually, you know what, modern policing and some of the approaches that we get now with these cameras, and we'll hopefully be able to pick out the people responsible for the worst of it and, and get to, get down to it and get, give them some real consequences, which is actually what happened with a lot of the protests. It didn't happen, and we didn't make as much noise about it at the time, necessarily. Yeah. But a lot of the people who were responsible for some of the worst atrocities during the protests last year were caught on cameras. You know, the police have these cameras. They caught them, and, and some of them got stiff sentences, and that's what we need to do here. Well, I'm very happy for you to do that. Boris Johnson's making a statement later on, Matt. Um, I'm not quite sure what he's going to say. Have you had any clues from your side of things? I, I'm hoping it's we're, we're on with it. We're on with it. We're going to, you know, Freedom Day is coming. You've got the choice on these masks now um, and, and all the consequences that come with that. I, I can't wait. Yeah. Well, let's hope it's going to be good news rather than uh, another p- postponement of something. And Matt, we'll talk to you, I'm sure, uh, later on in the week or, or early next week uh, with some more thoughts on all of that. Matt Vickers, thank you very much indeed, Conservative MP for Scott Stockton South. We're told now that Boris Johnson will be making a statement around about five o'clock. Uh, Sajid Javid will also be addressing the House of Commons. Uh, so there's obviously something uh, in the mood. Uh, let's hope it's not a mood change. Let's hope that they're not going to use anything that happened over the weekend uh, at Wembley or at Wimbledon as any kind of uh, excuse to change the way that the the, um, the so-called roadmap is being sort of folded out, if you like, uh, because July the 19th is meant to be the day when everybody gets back to normal. And so even Keir Starmer pictured at Wembley without a mask on, the man that says we should be keeping masks on. So Chris Whitty, Keir Starmer, Patrick, Patrick Valance, Jonathan Van Tam, all of whom said that they would wear masks when they were close to an awful lot of people, not doing it. Very good. Congratulations. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB, online, or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., 